Blog Talk Radio. Playing Sports City Chefs from Amazon Music. Really don't like each other. 
Um, even in which when Usman fought both of them, he fought Masvidal and he fought Covington, uh, after a while, it's like they showed their respects at the end of the fight, you know, shaking hands and, like, kind of showing gratitude. Even Colby, uh, when he fought uh, um, Usman for the second time, uh, you know, had to kind of, you know, show his respect and, and, like, say, you know what, you're a good fighter. And you know how cocky Kobe is and, and, you know, one mindset too is another thing that makes me think about it. But um, I think the beef between him and Mazadal is really real. Um, if Dana wants, and, and, and it's more than just Dana White, but uh, if Mazadal is going to continue to fight, which I don't, it doesn't look like he's done. Like it doesn't look like he, he doesn't have any fight left in him because he did have good fight in him. He still was able to stand up and make it a, a fight. But um, if Mazadal gets <laughs> more crafty, and be able to take on Covington. I think the part two of this would probably be a good event, but I still I still think it would be a landslide uh, favor for Kobe unless Kobe just loses it or gets caught off balance with a, a shot on the chin and, and Maslow knocks him out. But still, nevertheless, I from all of the footage that I've seen from when they met each other, uh, sparring, uh, doing everything that they could to sharpen each other, till now it still looks like Kobe has a clear-cut advantage up against Maslow. Um, the one thing I feel bad about is like Kobe's going to do a lot of this damage that he can, but it, is he going to walk up to Usman again and fight him for the third time? We'll actually see because Usman already won the first two. Uh, um, and the first time he beat him, <laughs> I was in Vegas and met uh, Kamaru as well. So that that's very interesting. I, I do want to see how this does go down later for Kobe Covington, even though he's cocky and, I don't like the image that he portrays, but he still gets the job done. No matter what, I, I got to respect the fighting aspect, whether I like it or not. Uh, he was able to take care of Jorge Masvidal. Okay, so that is the topic I wanted to get out, at least before. I, okay, so we do have people here. We Oh, okay. So moving right along, one of the callers has just moved out. Um, we have college basketball that took place. We also have a crazy NBA weekend that went down as well, um, in which <laughs> I can't believe how the game went down, but I can understand how the display uh, – I don't even want to dig too much into it until I get to it. So in college basketball, we have a situation where the top 25 went at it, and I'll go at it as follows with the scores and things uh, – Basically, you know, how these games went down, upsets or what have you, we do have a big one that I can't wait to discuss. Um, So it goes as follows. The first game we have is the Arizona Wildcats defending their house up against the California Golden Bears. They win this matchup in a blowout 89-61. This was spread out throughout the team, the way Arizona took care of business. Uh, number two ranked. I think they'll keep their rank uh, until we hear otherwise from the committee. Baylor wins their game up against Iowa State, 75-68 in an interesting game in Waco, Texas. The next game that I have, I will be coming back to. The North Carolina Tar Heels win their matchup up against the Duke Blue Devils, 94-81. The next matchup I have is the South Carolina Gamecocks lose their matchup up against Auburn, the Tigers win this matchup 82-71 to in Alabama. Kansas wins their matchup up against Texas 70-63, to in which this was an overtime game, in which at the end of regulation, the guy had the ball in his hands at the point one second, and it went to point zero. He still had the ball in his hands, a shot to shot. He hit the game winner uh, from Kansas, and he ends up getting it called off. They said the ball was still in the palm of his hands. They went to overtime. Kansas still took care of business up against Texas. Winning this game 70-63 to 63, uh, in overtime in which Texas only amassed six points in the overtime. But this is still an interesting situation because, like I said previously, Kansas played good in the regular season. We will see in the postseason, especially in conference play and in the big dance. Uh, the next matchup I have is Kentucky winning their matchup up against Florida and their rivalry 71-63 to 63, uh, in which – Ochebe, I, I, I know I'm butchering his name. He came up with a 27.15 rebound uh, night in the event up against Florida. Uh, Florida had uh, Castleton put up 23 and 11 
11 rebounds in this matchup as well. Purdue wins their matchup up against Indiana in an Indiana State matchup battle, 69-67. Purdue hangs on to at least stay within the uh, hunt of the top ten, unless the committee feel otherwise, but I doubt that they drop. Villanova wins their matchup in a blowout up against Butler, 78-59 to uh, against Butler at home. Oklahoma State upsets Texas Tech, 52-51 in a one-point <laughs> nightmare upset for Texas Tech at the wrong time going into the month of March. Tennessee wins their matchup up against Arkansas, 78-74. Uh, both of these teams are within the SEC with interesting records. I think this actually helps Tennessee as they're actually putting up better wins at the end of the season. Arkansas is having a good season. Hopefully the committee doesn't drop them too far with this loss, even though they're, they're right behind each other. Uh, in ranking. The next matchup, we have the second battle of L.A. between the two teams. UCLA wins this matchup up against USC, 75-68 for them to split. The next matchup we have is UConn winning their matchup up against DePaul, 75-68 in Storrs, Connecticut. Murray State wins their matchup uh, in conference championship play up against Moorhead State, the first ticket punched, I think, uh, 71-67 in this matchup as well. LSU wins their matchup up against Alabama to round out the top 25 in an upset 80-77 to in Baton Rouge. Um, we do have Mike in the building. Mike, welcome to the brunch. How are you feeling this morning? I'm doing good. Excited to uh, hit on some of the things you just mentioned and mention a few other topics at the brunch, man. And thanks for always, man. Without you, I wouldn't be here. But I'm happy to uh, be part of the brunch. Okay, so what topic or game would you like to discuss as we get this thing started? Okay, well, I'll start with, I mean, you mentioned Kansas always uh, playing well during the regular season, clinching uh, at least uh, part of that Big 12 regular season championship there. Also, in the SEC, Auburn getting that win yesterday gives them a clinching the number one seed in the SEC. It's interesting out of the SEC, though. You got them, you have Kentucky, you have Arkansas who finished at like fourteen and four in that conference after starting at one and three. Um and so you got those teams at the top, Auburn, Kentucky, Tennessee, and Arkansas. And then LSU Alabama took overtime yesterday. They were able to split that. But there are you know, there was a lot of talk about the road being so tough in the SEC and that being actually a good basketball conference again. There are a lot of teams, if you look at the standings, though, that finish 9-9 nine and nine and split in that league. So I, I think the tournament will be kind of the litmus test, if you will, for how good that league actually is. They think they got at least six teams that could make a decent run. But, you know, we'll see. If they can even have three or four into that second weekend, that'll be uh, that'll be good for that for that league. Um, obviously you mentioned North Carolina and Duke I'll wait on you on that and then uh, yeah I mean Oscar Shimway or however you say his name from Kentucky another good game yesterday West Virginia transfer maybe player of the year how about uh, John Morant from uh, his alum Murray State I think he was that's where he went to school maybe he went to Moorhead but I was thinking he went to Murray State but they go undefeated uh, in their conference so I think they're one of those mid-majors, if you will, to keep an eye on as we move into, you know, these next couple weeks, man. We got the conference championships, which I'm getting on the wrestling side right now. And then uh, Selection Sunday a week from now, lots of uh, lots of things still to be decided in college basketball, right? GP? I'm sorry, I was actually talking on mute. So, like I was saying, trying to get this kitchen warm as possible uh, through the games that we have and that I mentioned, and I'm going to get to the one that I said that I'll come back to. I'm going to try and go back to a lot of the games that I did mention. I just wanted to warm the kitchen up as best as possible with the games that I mentioned. But with the Duke-North Carolina game, everybody in Sports City, I'm going to tell you the honest to God's truth. It is legal now, so I could say it. I was going to bet this game, and I was going to go all gung-ho Duke money line. I just I just wanted to just go straight up and deal with Duke and just watch Coach K, you know, deal with the rivalry. I thought North Carolina was going to lay down because they have not been impressive this season. 
but they have won games this season, so I can't really hold too much against them, you know. But nevertheless, the way that they actually survived the storm, Duke was up at the half uh, in which after the half it was like a new North Carolina team. It felt like they flipped the switch, and this was the North Carolina team a lot of people have been waiting on for them to be 23-8 and eight in the season and 15-5 in the ACC. I got to give them credit for them to hold on the way that Duke beat them really bad in Chapel Hill. So I didn't think that North Carolina had a shot on the last regular season game in Coach K's coaching career. I was like, okay, like if the spread is anywhere from seven and a half to 13 and a half, still feel like, you know, Duke will win. If it's like one of those three and a half, five and a half is iffy, leave it alone. Like, cause this is the last rivalry game really between like the Dean Smith era or, you know, Roy Williams era and Coach K, because Coach K's been there for 42 years. And um, I'm not thoroughly impressed with what Hubert Davis has done, but he does have to kind of get them out of this rut. But they are doing decent. I can't really totally throw everything at North Carolina because they do have a respectable record at this point in time. They ended up outscoring Duke by 15 points. No, yeah, by 15 points in the, uh, the second half. And winning it by 13, in which I want to say the last four or five minutes, it was like Duke was trying to fight their way back into the game being down five, three, seven, five. It just kept going back and forth like North Carolina was hitting shot after shot, like not trying to let Duke get ahead and let that crowd get involved in the game. North Carolina did a great job keeping them kind of lulled in the uh, Duke situation. Nevertheless, they pulled this off. Now, here goes the interesting situation at the end of the game. I, I'm going to be honest. For competitive reasons, I don't like Coach K. But outside of, like, the competitive nature, I love Coach K. I do. I, but competitive reasons, is like I can't stand Duke, screw Duke. Every other superlative I can think of to beat them up, I'm going to beat them up. But he's one of the more respectable coaches. He shakes people's hands. He talks to guys with, like, genuine conversation. You could tell, like, everybody respect everything he say. He, you could tell he's not telling them, oh, good game and be well. Like, he's, he's saying something like you probably got a gift or something like that, and, I, you know, I'll speak to you later after the game or something. There's a former player from Duke that's been a assistant coach with Coach K for a while named Chris Carrawell that uh, <laughs> I guess he must have took the loss personally. And in turn, when they're shaking hands, you get Coach K and Hubert Davis to shake hands. Shire's the next up because Shire's going to be the head coach next. He shake hands. And Chris Carwell is behind Shire. When he comes up to, you know, approach Hubert Davis, he puts his hand to his side and keeps on walking, does not want to shake his hand at all. And the way that Hubert Davis looked back, like, I have to remember who that is and who it was, and it is a coach that I know he knows. So it's like I don't know if they have history or if he just was bitter – about the loss on Coach K's day while everybody was there. So this already is like something that I feel like is spilling toward the ACC tournament for like round three. Because if North Carolina and Duke meet up for round three, then it's like, okay, so what happens in this, uh, you know, sportsmanship handshaking line to continue the situation? But this is a storyline that has been actually talked about after the game because they even had a spectacle after the end of the game where Coach K actually addressed all of the Cameron Indoor crazies and his family came out, his children, his grandchildren, and his wife, they all, you know, had things to say. And the president and the AD, they all spoke on behalf of Coach K and everything. And he said, uh, well, this regular season is finished, but the season's not over. He said things like that to kind of keep them kind of inspired. It's Coach K at his best, natural, like the best college basketball coach ever. As bad as I don't want to say it, as much as I don't like Duke, as much as I want to say names like Wooden or Bobby Knight or uh, – I'm trying to throw these names out quickly. Dean Smith. Uh, I'm just trying to think about all of their names. Coach K was able to do it while the game started to evolve and get better. All throughout the 80s, the 90s was where he made his mark when he beat UNLV and then beat the Fab Five, uh, then gets into the 2000s and makes – three other runs uh, in the 2000s with different teams, different point guards, and I have to give him respect for the, the, the ones that he was able to bring back to the state of North Carolina. I have to give Coach K's credit. Even though John Wooden has more championships, but that was at a different time, different era, 
where they would just you couldn't do anything and get past Westwood at that point in time. But right now, from what I've seen from Coach K, I, I have to give him his credit, even though I don't like him just for competitive nature. But other than that, it, it, I have to respect him. Um, Mike, your thoughts on the game, uh, what you feel or, or heard about uh, what happened in the matchup or the rivalry, excuse me. Yeah, so so first, if you don't mind, like, I, I would like to go in on uh, Coach K just for a couple minutes, man. Like, to me, he belongs in that category with John Wooden. It's hard for me to say better than, but I understand the argument and, and will not argue against it, right? Like, uh, when I think of Coach K, like, fortunately I've been alive for most of his time at Duke. So, like, I think of his early teams with Tommy Hammaker and Danny Perry and some of those guys that were right there. And you're right, it took him a time to get over the hump to finally get past that UNLV team. And the Shark had some uh, had some running gun and fun squads to watch uh, out there with the running Rebels uh, in the late 80s going into the 90s. And I think a testament to Duke's success, though, is remember is the fact that when you remember the ones that they didn't win, that tells you what a, a moniker of success that program has been for several decades. So I remember the rainbow three that Scotty Thurman threw up in the game against Arkansas in the 94 finals when they, uh, they barely lost that game. And then I remember making a lot of money off of UConn against them in the finals a few years later. And so that was a wonderful night for me, one of my most successful betting nights ever uh, in, in sports, period. Forget basketball. And then an LSU team with a bunch of homegrown kids, Tasman Mitchell and Daryl Mitchell and Tyrus Thomas and Glenn Big Baby Davis and those guys beat J.J. Redick and Duke in the Sweet 16. Uh, to go on to the final four that year. And Coach K showed a lot of class to that program. And then he had some time in the mid-90s with the Cherokee Parks a little bit down. They had to they had to redirect what they were doing, right? But you're right, several different point guards, several different rosters, several uh, different – uh, transitions and to me that's what makes like winning at a college level in some ways so like remarkable when you can do it for such a long period of time is because of you know the constant turnover and, and transition but for the most part I feel like Coach K uh, did it the right way made a program that really never been on the map like that you know a giant in the sport did way more than anybody could ever uh, have expected when he first got that job. And, you know, like I said, they showed some patience during a couple of down years or during a couple of tough seasons. But, um, I mean, listen, we're losing a a giant in the coaching world. But I think it's just fitting in the, the reminder that sports is, there's a human element to it when they get beat at home by a North Carolina team that they're really supposed to be better than, right? Like um, all the emotions running high and everything else, you understand it, but uh, you're right. <laughs> like how many people would have wanted to load up and probably did uh, on Duke yesterday and Vegas is up to something, right? But uh, it, it's just interesting to me to see. I think that you mentioned maybe round three in the ACC tournament next weekend. I feel like that matchup is better, is more important for Hubert Davis if North Carolina gets that matchup uh, as far as for their postseason futures. Uh, But, man, let's see what happens. You know, I've heard a lot of people even in the shop and people that are are commonly in our group say that, you know, it, it would be fitting for Duke to win or they think Duke might win or Coach K's way out, like, uh, listen, you can take Duke if you want. I'll take the field. I don't think he's going to win, but he's been a stalwart and a great coach. And uh, I'm, I feel fortunate to able to, to watch him, love him or hate him or root for him or against him or whatever over these years. Uh, Duke has 
attained and then sustained a level of greatness that few programs have ever seen because of Coach K. Okay, even to, like, add on to what you just said, um, from what I've seen in this game, uh, we've been alluding to in our uh, other club that we have going on outside of Sports City, um, and there's a couple of people that are in favor of Duke, things of that nature, and I've really paid attention to Duke even more because I'm watching more Coach K, because every other time you watch Duke season after season, they're blowing somebody out. Uh, until they get into, you know, conference plays, the strong teams that are going to give them fights, and then once they get into the conference championship and then the big dance. But, for some, you know, for the reason of him retiring, I don't want to say for some reason because I know what I'm watching him for. Um, I've been watching him more, and the discussion that we've been having is that they don't have strong guard play. And this showed in this game really bad in the second half to where this is where North Carolina got the lead and really didn't relinquish it. Duke couldn't get past half court. Every time they got past half court, try to set up the offense, there was somebody in a passing lane, and the guard that was guarding the point guard played him close enough to make him make an erratic pass or dribble again to get stripped. It was either a strip or a broken up pass that went the other way, and they scored. Points off of turnovers were killing Duke to the fact of Coach K calling timeouts to get this thing to calm down, in which they came back in there after a timeout. North Carolina continued it so much that former point guard Jason Williams seen the score go up eight, and he started looking at the crowd and the cameras like making a timeout gesture, like making a T with his hands, like call timeout again because it's not working. Potentially trouble Duke's season, at least in the big dance or in the championship. Not to say that they can't get to a national championship and do this off of Coach K. I just think that this could be problematic the way that North Carolina, and I didn't put this into the recipe, if you will, they're unranked. North Carolina is not ranked. Duke is number four in the nation, especially on a big day where Coach K is leaving. This is just like he said at the end of the game when he was talking to the crowd. This is unacceptable. Coach K, no, this is unacceptable. So I, I agree with them that they, they needed to play better in a rivalry game. I'd rather it be within a respected score of six points. Let's just say they lost by six. Okay, that's fine. They lost by 13 to North Carolina that they just went into Chapel Hill and beat them by more than 20. So I don't know the turnaround of what just happened, but they should be comfortable coming back home where everybody was there. Adam Silver was there. Jerry Seinfeld was there. Every celebrity, every big-name alum was there to support Duke and Coach K in his final game, and you guys couldn't get up to play this game. I don't know if they make it to a national championship. I am actually on the other side with the field up against Duke, even though I feel like Coach K will get that magic and – get some things to go his way, so on and so forth. But I'm I'm not – other than Paolo and the other big that they have there, I, I – well, let me just say beyond the front court. The front court is okay or or decent or better than average. I, I Whatever name or wording I need to say, I'll put it there. Their back court has issues. If they can't control the ball or protect the ball, they are in trouble. Possession by possession counts. And this will probably be one of those Thursdays where <laughs> – Duke is playing, and they're down by, like, 17, and they're struggling to get back into a game because they're turning the ball over and not making shots. You better hope this is not what happens to Duke because a lot of people will be mad if this is the end of a storybook coaching legacy, if you will. Mike? Yeah, I'm here. I'm sorry. I was I was talking on mute. <laughs> uh, repeat your question. No, I'm just, just asking if you wanted to add on to that situation or I could get away from it. Just, no, you know, just no, we can, we open me a little bit. But you're right. Like, I, I agree with you. I'll take the field. And, and I like what you said, of, uh, the guard play being a big reason for that. Okay, fair enough. We will get away from this. Call the number is 929-477-2759. We got you locked and loaded for the next 30. Um, this is another crazy situation, and this is within the NBA. And um, – uh, it's good that I have at least Mike here. So I'll go through the scores. The scores from yesterday as best as I possibly can and get to the one that has caught everybody's eye. The Mavericks win their game up against the Sacramento Kings in a one-point battle, uh, 114-113, in which 
Uh, Finney Smith hits a three at the end of the game to win the game. They were down two at that point in time. The next matchup I have are the Charlotte Hornets winning that matchup up against the Spurs, 123-117, to in which Terry Rozier goes off for 31. DeJounte goes off for 25 in this matchup, having close to a triple-double with 10 assists and nine rebounds as well. The Miami Heat knock off the 76ers, who have actually been the story of last week, 99-82, to beating them by 17, in which Embiid has a 22-15 and night. And the crazy part about this is James Harden was out uh, due to a nagging injury at this point in time. This is what I was waiting for. I wanted to see how the Sixers looked up against a strong team. Uh, but nevertheless, Tyler Hero has 21.7 rebounds, three assists, and a winning matter up against the 76ers. The next matchup I have is a blowout. Uh, the Grizzlies win up against the Orlando Magic 124-96 in Memphis. Uh, in which uh, Wagner had, well, Wagner, let me say it correctly, he had 17 points and 11 rebounds in a losing effort. Desmond Bain had 24 points uh, in an effort for the Grizzlies, in which I want to figure out what people are going to do to slow down Job Morant. Uh, They are now second seeded in the Western Conference. This is unreal for me, even though Job's on a tear. The next matchup I have, the Minnesota Timberwolves go into Portland win this matchup 135 to 121, in which Anthony Simons went off for 38 points, three rebounds, three assists. Cat had a 36 point, 15 rebound, and five assist effort up against the Portland Trail Blazers. Yurkic, I hope you're okay. The last matchup and saving the best for last at this point in time, the Los Angeles Lakers get out of their rut, winning their game or matchup up against the Golden State Warriors, 124 to 116, in which. Steph Curry goes off for 30 points, four rebounds, and one assist. LeBron James has 10 rebounds, three assists, and 56 points up against the Warriors. So we will go right there. Um, Mike, your thoughts on the game, uh, how you feel about this moving forward for the Lakers? TP, I'm going to sound really callous, and so bear with me for a second. Uh, like you said, sometimes forgive me for I know not what I do. But as bad as this sounds right now, when it comes to the Lakers, and you and you ask for my initial comments on them, even after yesterday's win, right now I'm like, so? Like, because we talked about this team seven days ago, and – they played four times, and they only got one win. Uh, I, I mean, listen, I, I think that the best team is going to hunt for is a play-in, and I don't know that Portland's got enough to pass them, and maybe they can stay ahead of New Orleans. So, that I mean, they're at least going to be at, at the play-in with a shot. But, like, listen, and the, the interesting thing, like, if they just look lifeless a couple of times this week, too, they got hammered by the Pelicans a week ago on Sunday night. They did not play well, really, against the Clippers. They also dropped the game to uh, the Mavs this week, which was you know, kind of competitive. So, But the, <laughs> to me, like I said, man, like, that's a nice win last night, but that's one in three. In a week. So, I mean, what it tells you is if LeBron can shoot 19 of 31, which is not going to happen on a nightly basis, so he'll have some big games. But if, uh, if he could shoot 19 of 31 and drop 56, uh, then, hey, maybe you got a chance against some of the, uh, some of the best teams in the league. But are you going to do that consistently and are you going to get that kind of effort night in and night out? Like, I wouldn't put money on that. Honestly, I, I <laughs> team is just uh, underperforming and and underwhelming at <laughs> at all at all points of the season. So, okay, good. You had an impressive game last night. Um, you were expecting to play with these teams. Uh, going into the year, you haven't been able to. So the fact that you played with them for 
uh, one night and won one game one night. I don't give you that much credit. You know, I'm, I'm not impressed. I'm impressed with the game that LeBron James had last night to get to go 19 to 31 to drop 56 in a game where I mean, you said you spoke of desperation. What took you so long? It's been desperation time for a while, but I am impressed with that individual uh, performance. You got to tip your hat. I mean, 209 points away from from catching Carmel alone, so you figure that could be done in the next, yeah, you know, six or seven games, probably, maybe, maybe eight. But I mean, six to eight to be fair, with a number. Uh, so, I mean, I'm I'm impressed with that, but I'm not. Uh, I'm, I'm not impressed with the team and and the season. You know, I mean, I think you'll make the top ten, but it's it's playing or playing now, and probably two playing games that they're going to have to win, even to be in the, you know have a season the tournament. Okay, <clears throat> so I'm in line and in step with you on a lot of this stuff. Um, first and foremost, let me add a game to what you said. You said one and three. No, it's one and four. They lost four out of the gate after the all-star break. So they were down, they were four below 500 uh, going into the all-star break. They lost four. They were in, they were at eight going into the game last night. They win. They are now at seven games under 500. So it's like, I feel like they can get started. Their next game is against the Spurs. Uh where I don't think the Spurs have enough to stop this Laker team, especially while the Lakers got a monumental win up against Golden State. So this is what I was saying I was waiting for, for them to start getting rolling before I just be like, you know what, they're dead, they, they're terrible, so on and so forth. But nevertheless, I do have to look at the way that, you know, a former chef would say, Royce, I got to look at how the player car looks. This is what they look like. They watch the Clippers basically dominate them. They They really are the – little brother at this point in time, but legacy-wise, the Lakers are way bigger than the Clippers right now, but the, they can't even figure the Clippers out without Kawhi and Paul George. Picture when they do come back, how much the Lakers are going to have to orchestrate to make that, you know, come together while they're playing them while they're even stronger. Um, this matchup, it goes two ways. Um, I want to say the best for last. Let's talk about the Lakers, right? So the Lakers end up winning this game. LeBron puts up 56. Russ puts up 20. Uh, the rest of the team fills in, uh, in which Golden State actually had an interesting standpoint on this game. But late in the game, they just started faltering. And the big question around me now is Klay Thompson. But I'll get into the Warriors in a little bit. Hold on. I'll, I'll, like I said, I'll save the best for last, right? So the Lakers are doing their thing in which LeBron is taking advantage of the matchup. Finally, I'm going to repeat this again. LeBron is taking advantage of the matchup. LeBron is so ready to be pass-oriented or want to be the playmaker when you are probably one of the biggest players on the floor at your position that it's hard for them to guard or stop you. Like, why why would you make it difficult settling for three, so on and so forth, even though he went – three for six from three or six of 11 or something like that. I, I got to look at the numbers again. I think I have the numbers next to me here. And I want to make sure I say it correctly before I continue though. Uh, just bear with me, everybody. I think it is six for 11. Six but of he, 11 he is, is right. Curry was four of nine. LeBron was six of 11. For okay. Three so, so LeBron is, is settling for the three more, but um, nevertheless, if, if he had 19 for 31, he still had 13 shots from the field under, you know, the perimeter. So he's actually, you know, either going to the rim or making that defense work or putting pressure on them. He could have been doing this every single game of his career and been eclipsed Carl Malone or Kareem Abdul-Jabbar because I think that's what he's really chasing. I don't really think he's chasing the championship. Like, I, I think the Lakers could make this run and, you know, Anthony Davis get back and make them even stronger. But, like, I, I feel like the percentage is low for that to happen. Um, but I don't feel like it's championship aspirations for the Lakers right now. I think it's more or less to like prove that they could get to the playoffs and make something happen, especially if they're an AC going up against a one and knocking a one seed off, which could potentially be the Suns without a Chris Paul or an uh, uh, injury-lingering thumb that could be bothering Chris Paul, just like how last year was with the, the COVID situation, things of that nature. So this is what I think that they're more hanging on to. And I'm just like you, Mike, this is one game. 
This is one game that everybody went crazy for on the Lakers in behalf of which I'm going to switch this because I can't, like, hold on to it any longer. Let's look at the Warriors. The Warriors are without Draymond Green. The only person that they had really there physically to deal with LeBron is Andrew Wiggins. Do you know there is history there since Wiggins came into the league? Wiggins was supposed to be the replacement for LeBron when LeBron left and went to Miami. So it's already that notion that I got to go at him if he's supposed to be me. Not to say that he is LeBron James, but just knowing that that's how Cleveland was looking at. And uh, they had to flip the script on him, and he ended up going somewhere else outside of being in Cleveland, you know. So you already know he's looking at him like I have to attack him and make this a game. And for him to go for 56, he clearly made, to me, I feel like that was personal. I feel like that was personal, and um, there was nothing Wiggins or the – Warriors could do at that time. They just needed everybody else to be clicking on all cylinders. The one thing that's bothering me is Clay Thompson. Clay Thompson had seven points in this matchup, three for 13 for shooting. He missed 10 shots, in which a lot of the shots Clay's taking, Clay's not always, like, trying to, you know, shoot a shot over a defender, even though that happens. But a lot of the time when he's shooting, he's by himself because the defense collapsed and he gets a kick out, or he's coming around the screen, and he's by himself. Like, this is a lot of what Clay is getting, and he was not there for them in his matchup and where they lost by eight. Even though he missed ten shots and saying, okay, let's just say he hit another four, that would put them in a tie situation. But um, Steph was doing all he could to try to make this a game. Jordan Poole was actually playing well, too. They uh, Kaminga, they, they were actually playing well. Uh, the Warriors did their thing. They just had – the lapses between Wiggins trying to defend LeBron, which he's completely out of his element, and I don't think he'll ever be able to, like, slow down. I don't even want to say contain or, or ice or lock up, but I, I don't think he could do anything with LeBron, just knowing that that's a chip on LeBron's shoulder. And, uh, Clay Thompson, I, I feel bad because you just got back, but the pressure's on you to perform, especially with Draymond being down. It's like you wanted to hurry up and get back. Injuries do happen. So now you have to ramp this thing up and start playing. In in which the Warriors have actually been struggling, I want to say at the turn of the year, 2022, they have not been playing impressive basketball like we know them to play. You still have to worry about them on a night-by-night basis, but they are giving up games, which makes this very interesting as we reach the we're, – we're close to the finish line of the regular season. We have a month or so left uh, as we get close. And it's like on both sides of the ball, how much can Curry exert, and how much do you think LeBron is going to have to do this night in and night out for the Lakers? For him to go off for 56 and win by eight, and I think the eight was more or less possession basketball for the uh, the Warriors to try to score, and they missed, and, you know, the, the Lakers started scoring as they could, and Carmelo hit a three late. That, that was that, at least for me. But looking at the Warriors situation, they said Draymond is set to come back soon, so hopefully that helps them defensively. But he's also the one that sets up the offense while Curry and uh, Clay can actually run around and, and, you know, get the screens and work that offense to their advantage. Um, hopefully this Warrior team could get back into the hunt because I thought that they would actually be able to catch the Suns. I think the Suns are going to go into the playoffs as the number one seed. I don't think it, there's too much space between a lot of these teams uh, chasing after them as we approach uh, the month of April. Uh, what, what are your thoughts on at least the Warrior situation, Mike, where – Wiggins defending LeBron and, and Draymond being out for so much time due to injury. Yeah, it's interesting because I think everybody is having some injuries of some kind to deal with, right? Like it's the Warriors and Draymond now. It took them a while to get Clay back, but they're still there. It's uh, – Phoenix with uh, Chris Paul and his lingering injuries, and how are they able to stay above float? So, I, you know, now the Lakers with Anthony Davis, who, I mean, the numbers make him look like he's played 30-something games, but uh, how many of those games has he really performed well in? Like, I think you'll find that number to be, you know what I mean, a good bit less. So, every team's had their injuries. It's It's almost not a matter of, if anymore in sports we have injuries, but when and how you deal with it is what, you know, determines where you are. But I think you're right. I think Phoenix is probably, I mean, definitely the most likely to be the one seed in the Western Conference. And and I'll be honest with you, I'm surprised by that. Like, I thought they would be competitive 
Uh, but I didn't expect him to be back in that in that one line going into the season. And I think that's a testament to Monty Williams and the organization and what that culture, you know, what that organization has been able to build and the culture they've established there. Well, I, this is the one thing that I have a problem with with Monty Williams. I don't think that they will get back to an NBA final, especially now, especially with Chris Paul addressing that thumb situation too. Um, I actually made it an interesting standpoint in a lot of conversations that I had is what we see is what we get out of Devin Booker. I think that he's an awesome talent. He can shoot the ball awesome, but I don't think he's going to get better. Like, I think what he has in his bag is all that he has. I don't think that he's going to be one of those guys that goes out there and gives you, let's just say, I want to be fair with a number, like 29 or 31 a night on a consistent basis to help this team get to where they need to from now while Chris Paul is out. The potential is there, but it's a lot that he's going to have to control the ball, set the offense up in 24 seconds, and keep this going for the remainder of the season until Chris gets back. I think it's a lot. Um, So I I feel like that, especially with Chris Paul returning, him aging as well too. Chris Paul's birthday is in May. Like all of these stars are in line for like a messy ending for this Phoenix Suns team, Um, in which I do give Monty Williams a ton of credit. An awesome coach. He was actually one of the guys that I got into an argument about last year because the way that the NBA Finals ended, the way that they lost, he went to the locker room and actually watched them pop the champagne and celebrate with the Finals trophy and wanted to congratulate them. I'm like, that's in my head, I'm not watching them do that. Like, that's not the way I want to see it be done. However, I guess I understand that's something that he needed for his mindset and, like, approaching this season to have these guys ready for championship-caliber basketball. If he's able to get the Suns to an NBA final again, I have to tip my hat and, and apologize because I, I don't think that this Suns team is ready. I, I think this is the same team that we've seen last year. They are probably an injury or two away from being hurt. I mean, like approaching a lot of the Western Conference in playoff play. So they have to hopefully that injury bug is way away from the state of Arizona, not bothering them anymore, and uh, being able to score at a clip like they need to, even though uh, – they have a lot of interesting players on that roster, guys like Cam Johnson, Cam Payne, and you really don't even hear that much out of DeAndre Ayton like we're used to hearing from at least from last season. We need that to be consistent for the Suns to actually make a threat to win the West again. I don't think they have it. I really don't even have a real clear-cut team to win the West. How about you, Mike? Who do you feel like will be a team or teams that you think could go to the Western Conference Final or represent the West in the NBA Finals? You know, it's interesting because, to me, I'm thinking about that as you say that and kind of going through kind of going through these teams in my head and, and just thinking about, like, the legitimate contenders in the West. And I feel like a lot of years, like, the odds are better than not that the West is going to walk home with the, uh, with the trophy. And even though they don't win it every year, I mean, they – Odds are in their favor a lot of seasons, right? Um, this season, you know, I, I don't know. Can't, uh, you know, campaign is campaign still on that uh, Suns roster, right? So, yes, he is. You know, mm-hmm. so it, can can he handle enough to take some uh, to take some pressure off of uh, Booker and help kind of fulfill some of those. Uh, duties that you see uh, performed by by Chris Paul, I don't know. I mean, I, Phoenix, you got to think, you know, is right there in that discussion. But here's the other thing. Could this be the year that things just happen to line up just right for John Morant and the, uh, and the Memphis Grizzlies? I mean, can Morant stay healthy? That's a scrappy team with a lot of good pieces. Could this be the year that the actual – you know, that Memphis comes out of the West or really contend for that because, you know, they're right there for the second best record in the in the conference and they had to do some of this. You know, we were talking earlier about injuries, man, and like people without their guys. Morant missed a piece of games. Like there was some uh a little bit of shifting going on with that Memphis roster as well, but I think Memphis is gonna have something to say with the outcome in the Western Conference. That is puzzling because uh, I never would have thought the Grizzlies would be this high 
especially the way that thing went down last year. They got their first taste of uh, playoff play with Ja Morant. And uh, it didn't go well for them as the Jazz got them out of there. Um, but I think that taste of blood on their lip has them ready for this season right here. And I don't know too many teams that could slow them down in the Western Conference in a seven-game series. This guy is ready to run. Lord forgive me if anything happens karma-wise. Like, I don't want any – I want the, the guns to blaze on everybody's saddle. I don't want it to be anything that lingers and, and watch karma come around. Please leave them alone. But if he keeps running at the pace that he's running and able to score the ball the way that he's able to score and flying and your big man can't even handle him in the paint, like, this is incredible basketball that John Moran is up to. They're at number two right now. John Morant may be the MVP right now. Not even just a nominee. John Morant may be the MVP of the league right now. They need to think about it because, yeah, like, exactly I get that. it. Embiid, is, Embiid has been playing good ball. Jokic is playing good ball. Giannis is playing good ball. Uh, Curry at one point was playing good ball. I think he's fallen. John Moran has been the more consistent player while these guys have had lulls here and there in this season. And the Grizzlies, wait, hold on. I don't know if y'all hear me. The Memphis Grizzlies are number two in the Western Conference. This is this is big. This is big. I, I can't I think this might be one of their highest seedings at this point in time. I, I can't really recall them being higher than this with Zebo or Gasol. And I know it wasn't like that when they were in Vancouver. Like so He's playing incredible ball with a lot of names that you know, but they're not those household names other than himself and Steven Adams. Like, this is incredible. Like, he, if he keeps this up, he's a threat to win it, not just to be, oh, he's one of the nominees that somebody checked off. Josh should get the, the not- uh, notability for what he's doing this season. People wonder if he was too small or whatever. Uh, listen, that kid is quick. He's got game. He's continu- it, it looks like he is continuing to improve his jump shot and improve his range. If this kid has the work ethic that people say he does and he continues to uh, fine-tune his game, because we know that the game is there, but if he continues to fine-tune it and hone his craft, like John Morant is going to be, I mean, obviously highly thought of. He was a second pick in the draft. But he's going to far exceed any expectations that anybody ever had for him when he was drafted. And nevertheless, since you said the number two pick in the draft, the number one pick of that draft is Zion Williamson. They say that he is scheduled to return soon. So I don't know if it's within this week or next week, but he is scheduled to return. But I'm just hoping that he's in physical condition to play or give them the lift that they need because the Pelicans are right behind the Lakers by one game. Um, and which, like I said, uh, I feel I feel like the Lakers will start running. But if they don't, if they lose and the Pelicans win, this makes it even more interesting to see them fight between a 9 or the 10 seed. And if anybody in 11 and 12 are, are watching the Lakers bleed, do they get involved? Because I don't really feel like there's another team that's back there I don't think they'll get into it, but I think the Spurs may, but the Spurs are back like three and a half games. So this could be very interesting if there is somebody that wants to make this type of run. I, I, and I think it's Portland that is right behind them. And uh, I, it's just so much that's going on in Portland that I feel like they're just going through the motions to finish the season. Um, how do you feel about the potential of Zion returning to your area of New Orleans, Louisiana? Yeah, two things on that. First of all, I think, you know, Portland at 11 – I think the most likely team is anybody's going to knock New Orleans or the Lakers out of that 9-10 spot is probably San Antonio. And if that happens, it's, you know, that San Antonio versus L.A. Lakers game coming up right now is a game for them to try to do something about that or try to claw their way up. You know, that next game is is one that uh, obviously Lakers should win. But to your point about Zion, if he's back and can play uh, well at all, like that could be a very fun team to watch with him and Ingram and McCullough and Valentinus or whatever. I mean, with, with all the pieces that 
that team can put out there, <clears throat> that could be an entertaining product to watch on the floor. And that team could be a scary matchup. Like, you know, if if they have to play a Phoenix without Chris Paul or they got to play Utah and Mitchell struggling or something like that, that team could be a very scary matchup in the playoffs if you could somehow have all of those horses healthy <clears throat> and ready come playoff time. That being said, like, I don't have a lot of high expectations of Zion, but when he has been on the court, there have been times that he's been able to remind us why he's a special talent. And uh, your, draw, your jaw drops occasionally watching him play, right? So uh, anytime there's a potential for that <clears throat> type of player to be on the court, you, you know, you want to stop and take notice a little bit. The, the other thing that I would say is it's kind of crazy how these guys seem to be gravitating to the same franchise. Or is it something to do with the way the organization treats and takes care of their players? Who was their last franchise guy? And what was his problem? I mean, there was always something injury-wise. Now your next guy, same thing. Now, I've had a lot of guys come through there and develop and do better when they left, like Holiday and whatever. But, and Holiday was loyal to that organization. But I don't know. That's just a scary thing. I think I would at least be uh, double-checking my training staff and seeing uh, – what kind of off-season programs are running and whatever else. Um, It's also been interesting to see that during a lot of his rehab, Zion has kind of been distant from that organization as far as how his training and uh, rehab has gone. But if he's cleared and can get back, you know, hopefully we'll see that it was uh, all worth it. You know, everything aside, winning cures everything. So, that that team could have a uh, a chance to be a matchup problem, or at least make some games interesting if they could get all those pieces back and healthy on the floor at the same time. It would be interesting if they remain this game out away from the Lakers, and he comes back, and the Pelicans play even better with him, Joe Val, uh, McCollum, and Ingram. Like they have a legit squad that can make an interesting push. Um, what if they did catch the Lakers? What if they did make the Lakers a 10th seed? They end up bumping into each other in the play-in, and New Orleans has home court. Like, all of this comes in line because I would love the Zion-LeBron for everything on the line if Zion could just get into shape, I guess. But the injury situation with Zion, it didn't start in the league. It started that last game of the regular season, I want to say, in Duke where he was wearing a pair of Paul George sneakers and he burst through the sneaker. Like, I've never seen that. Right. And you know they're getting fresh sneakers. And he burst through the sneaker. He was injured and out for a good duration. And that's been nagging him since. And, you know, going along the lines of with the weight that he's carrying as well could be another thing that's lingering on top of it. So everything has to kind of go in line for him to get healthy and back on the floor. But this wasn't like one of those injuries that was like – well, this is freakish. I was going to say it wasn't freakish, but this is freakish that he burst through a sneaker, you know? So uh, I've never seen or heard that in a game in my life. Like, and he he just went to plant. So hopefully he can get out there. I, I, I don't like the fact that people are trying to call him a bust due to this injury and him with his weight issues, but I'm a Zion fan, even though I don't like Duke. But when he came out of high school, it was just an awesome aura around him, and I want him to actually excel in the NBA, but I don't know if he's comfortable in New Orleans or not, if it's a coaching scenario, or if it's just him in one of the best food environments in the country uh, that that's, you know, hobbling him at this point. Okay. I think it's so we, we and growing. Wait, say that again? I didn't I hear you, Mike. Repeat that again. Just, I, yeah, man. Yeah, I think some of it is maturing and growing and realizing, too, that, like, listen, you got to think, this kid's 19 years old when he came out. Like, he's, uh, <clears throat> regardless, you you came from a small town in South Carolina, the, <clears throat> the world's different, the life's different, what you have available to you at your disposal, what you can do, what you can eat. <clears throat> is That's a co- completely different world. And then, Regardless of how much you read about it or see it or whatever, like, that's a totally different animal taking care of your body for a 82-game season or a long season in playoffs versus, you know, the sprint of a college season is. So, uh, 
you know, it takes time. And I think when you are a bigger guy, sometimes you got to get those early 20s. You need those couple of uh, years to get that little man size on you. Like, that, that kind of helps you kind of grow into that, to that frame. So hopefully, like, if there's anything structural, they figure it out. Otherwise, it'll be interesting to see how he does and if he continues to get round himself into better shape. Because I think you're right. I think the weight <clears throat> issue is something that a lot of people do <clears throat> worry about how, and people worry about the impact on his bones and muscles and whatever else. But, you know, there has been times that he's looked plenty explosive with all the weights that he's had. So, uh, you know, you hope there's a way for, you know, him to be able to continue to spread his wings and grow. As a player, you don't want to see like <clears throat> Greg Oden, Sam Bowie type levels because you never could be healthy or get things right health wise. Why do you just have to say those names? Why do you have to just say those names? Don't pair him with him, please, because <laughs> I'm joking around. But he can say I, you know, I just don't think that he's a Sam Bowie or and Greg Oden. I thought highly of, you know, me being a Sonic fan slash Thunder fan. I wanted Greg Oden because we didn't have a big. All of the, the centers were bad. I'm like, yo, just get us Greg Oden. Greg Oden looking good out of Ohio State. They can't stop him. He's a problem, physical beast, and he could jump. He gets picked up by Portland. I'm like, damn, we're going to get Kevin Durant. We got Kevin Durant. Hey, Kevin Durant's first season with the Thunder, he got rookie of the year, but he didn't look impressive. I think he was averaging 19 points a game, but they were happy with what he was putting out. The second season, they moved to Oklahoma City. Oklahoma City won less than, like, 30 games. And in that third season, this is when they started flying. Him and Russ and Harden, they started going crazy. So this, <laughs> then it's like, okay, now I see what you guys are up to. Now I see. Now, now I apologize. But hopefully this doesn't pan out the same way for the Pelicans. Hopefully the Pelicans can put this in the right line that they had set from, you know, schedule with him coming out of Duke. And now that they – I really wanted them to keep Lonzo Ball. Lonzo left. But nevertheless, they were able to get C.J. McCollum and try to make this thing interesting. I hope they can make a push to the playoffs, or at least stay within the play-in. Hopefully we'll see them stay there. All right, Mike, so we are at the tail end of the show. I need anything that you'd like to promote, plug, anything that's on your mind that you'd like to get off to the people, please do, as we shut the doors here at the brunt. All right, man, well, I got a few things uh, to tell you all about. I told you I was going to keep you updated along the Season on college wrestling, so Big Ten championships, the Big Ten finals are today on Big Ten Network at 4.30 Eastern time. Big 12 finals are tonight, I want to say, at 8 Eastern on ESPN2. So those are the two biggest conference championships. I think ACC Network, I don't know the time. My apologies. I need to check it out myself. We'll be showing ACC finals. And then... In college sports, as you guys know, we got the uh, conference basketball tournaments coming up in the next week. Watch as those continue to unfold. You'll see a lot of uh, how many at-large teams come from these uh, major conferences will result on or matter on if if these – how many upsets happen in these tournaments. So how many at-large teams get taken away or what happens there. So. Uh, we're about to that time where we got that, that seven-day stretch where all the conference tournaments, everything else, start to determine how this bracket's going to be lined up in a week. Got all kinds of bracket challenges. Look at uh, Talk to us in the barbershop. TP will have more information on that as well. We've been working on Clubhouse, the barbershop. We're over 8,000, so come check us out at any time. Be part of the discussion. Several of the chefs uh, come in there, in and out fairly often, and <clears throat> lots of personalities over at the shop. TP Timeless, quick. Uh, Timeless and Groove started this thing. We're coming up on our one-year anniversary, end of next <clears throat> next month. We'd like to really do everything we could to get to, to get to 10K by our birthday. So uh, come check us out. Be part of uh, what we're doing in the in the barbershop on Clubhouse. Sports City Chefs, check out the blogs, check out the articles, check out the shows. We got the cookout on Wednesday nights. We got the front office, the football show on Tuesdays. We got the crossover cafe on Thursdays. And as always, the 
the mothership, as if you will, the timeless Sunday morning brunch on Sundays. Thank you always, timeless, for letting me be a part. I appreciate it as always. A pleasure and a privilege as always. Much love, brother. Thomas, are you talking on mute? Oh, oh yeah, and I sure was. I was. I sure was talking on mute. You caught me, and I was giving you congrats. Um, I said, um, thank you for that, and and I don't really have too much to promote because he's basically giving you everything that I'm a part of. So everything that he said, please follow. We're on every social media platform possible. Um, as of next Sunday, I think once they do Selection Sunday, I think we will have the brackets out by that Monday, maybe that Tuesday, to see if people want to get involved. Hopefully we can get, I don't know, a, a solid 400 people. I don't know. <laughs> Hopefully we can get that number, man, and it'd probably be $10 a bracket. If we could get that, that'd be awesome to see if we could get a good payout or if there's multiple payouts for, like, first, second, third, or fourth. But we're trying to put the uh, the screws together to make this thing work out. Uh, thank you to everybody that's been helping us out. Thank you to PHI Apparel um, for sponsoring us. Uh, we're actually looking for more sponsors. We also have, just like he said, we got people blogging. So thank you to everybody that's been getting on the website, putting in work also. Um, everybody get ready for their Sunday, uh, college basketball, NBA, NHL, what you need, what you got, they have it. Uh, tell a friend to tell a friend that it's the chef again. And, um, I don't know, LeBron. I, I, no, you know what? And if they don't know, now they know. Sports city, sports city, chefs, chefs. Sports city, sports city, chefs, chefs. Sports city, sports city, chefs, chefs. Sports city, sports city, chefs. Kaboom! Sports city chefs is in the room, cooking up hot topics to put up on your spoon. They well in tune, blown like a flower in June. Superman vs. MF Doom, the clouds loom. So tell a friend, it's the sports city chefs. Pay attention, tune in, we on the set again. Sports.